Hey everybody, welcome into another episode of the Hockey Show Podcast. I am Nick. And I'm John. And we are here to talk hockey and uh, sorry for the late drop. Gotta say, did not plan the calendar correctly, realizing that we record the show on a Tuesday night and Tuesday night this week happened to be Valentine's Day and both you and I, John, we're engaged, so there was no way that we could get away with saying, hey, nothing tonight. Got to go talk. Wait, if I can put a pause on yeah. this, please. I, I got to talk to Nick about the trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. I got to go pot uh, a little bit about hockey. Let's, uh, let's yeah. uh, forget. What'd you guys end up doing? Uh, actually ended up uh, staying in. Go figure. Uh, ordering some food in from a place we like and just kind of watched uh, she's been into the show Superstore. I don't know if you ever watched it. I don't know that one. No. Um, all right. She started watching it on Hulu. Uh, I believe it was a CBS show. I don't know. Or maybe it was NBC. But it's all about like people that work in like kind of a Costco style. Uh, gotcha. All in one type of store. Uh, it's got the uh, girl from Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, but the Ugly Betty. So she's the lead and basically it's just, it's the adventures of the crew that works there and how they don't want to work and just a basic sitcom. Yeah. Something anyone working in retail could. Exactly. And having been, having worked as a server before, there are certain things that I can look at and laugh about and go, okay, yeah, I get it. So, yeah. So we threw that on and that was uh, a very uneventful uh valentine's day for us but you know had to we spent it together what about you what about you and the lady uh we went to taco nice it's a uh very authentic mexican restaurant and and just went to town on a couple of tortas and other things there uh and then we came home and there's this new thing on netflix uh it's called your place or mine it has reese witherspoon and uh ashton kutcher in it and that was a lot of fun uh you know obviously going to a movie like that set my expectations a little lower uh i feel like you kind of like maybe not purposely but inadvertently kind of taught me to do stuff like that yeah if you um if it's a movie because i know what movie you're talking about the little rom-com that's kind of like that film the holiday with jack black and i'm giving a little a little and i'm giving jack black first billing the cameron diaz (laughs) <laughs> film okay let's let's give do where it where it's at right there um yeah where they switch places and he goes yeah. to new york yeah. and like watches her kid and she goes to la and lives like the single bachelor life and all of that but really he loves her and she realizes it at some point along the way yeah it's the i know what you're talking about but yeah that's a film that going into it I would have the very low expectations so that it has a low bar to jump over or, or should I say step over? Well, like, cause I always used to be like, kind of like snobbish about films, but I remember some of the most fun I had watching a movie was with you and one of our fraternity brothers when we went to go see the expendables three. <laughs> what a blast. What a dumb movie. It, it's Jean-Claude Van Damme goes to kill the guy and they hold a knife over the guy's chest and he 
spins in the air and kicks it for no reason yeah. like it was it was a really fun time and it, it kind of you taught me a little something about it's like yeah if you you know don't want to take it too seriously a lot of films will kind of you know they're not trying to be something that they're not yeah uh which you know is the essence of acting but yeah <laughs> But, you know, if you if a film's not taking itself that seriously, you don't have to take it that seriously either. And you can still enjoy it. Exactly. And and those expendable films are all to me like I'm excited. There's a fourth one coming out this year and oh, I'm excited God. because, uh, yeah, Does it I take know. place in a retirement home. Uh, I think it's I think it's only Stallone and Statham that are the two originals coming back. And then it's like a whole younger cast of. And oh, nice. yeah, there's, and I think the plot has something to do with like a, a very close to near death Stallone experience, which has him going with the younger and rethinking it. And all. I don't know, but either way, those are films that are like a wink and a nod to the audience of, we know we're ridiculous and you're here. So let's just blow a bunch of crap up and do the dumbest thing possible. And have like, I love those fast and the furious films. Cause they're just turning your brain off and just goofy Ooh, fun car stuff. Yeah, there's something cool is going to happen. Some of it's practical, some of it's CGI, but it's just goofy, stupid fun along the way. And it's big, muscular, bald men and hot women all grunting and screaming at each other. <laughs> like, There you go. What else could I what ask for? Yeah, dude, it's the summertime. I just want to go turn my brain off and be in air conditioning for three hours. And eat boy, boy, I tell you, come summertime, I wouldn't trade that experience oh, for anything. I see what you did there. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's ah. let's. Uh, nobody's here for our Oscar bait talk. Uh, let's talk hockey and let's talk trades. Since the last time we spoke, there was a trade that went down that I will put on Front Street as a New York Ranger fan. I loved this trade and taking my Ranger fandom off. I still love this trade. The New York Rangers landed Tarasenko from the Blues, uh, along with uh, a defenseman as well, uh, pretty much for the first rounder that they got from Dallas in the uh, Nils uh, Lundqvist trade. Yeah, I, I think the condition on it is uh, it's going to be whichever's lowest yeah. of the Rangers pick or the Stars pick. And one would assume um, it's the Stars with the season they've been having. Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they, they I like, I was blown away by that. It wasn't a massive overpay for it. Uh, they'll probably have a chance to keep him around uh after this season if they mm. choose to do so uh they didn't have to you know completely sell the farm or give up uh keandre miller or uh any of their younger guys kako lafreniere uh that this really stood out as kind of being a win-win for both sides yeah i, I mean for the blues they get their first round pick in this draft uh that's cool now they're gonna have two first uh, they got Sammy Blaze back in the deal as well. He went on to score a goal in his first game, just like Tarasenko scored on his first shot as a Ranger. Uh, so both guys, they bring something to their teams. Like to me, this is a win for the Rangers in the sense of, like you said, they didn't give up any of their assets. Uh, guys like Othman and, and players like that, uh, they didn't even have to give up uh, Vitaly uh, uh, Kratsov, which is a whole other situation right now for the Rangers. Yeah, supposedly supposedly he is available yeah he uh i saw the i think it was brooksy uh over there at the post wrote that he, his camp asked again 
to be traded. Uh, but he, he basically the article said how that's great. He asked for a trade, but Chris Drury's not just going to give him up for like a third round pick or a fourth round conditional or whatever. Like he's either going to be packaged for something or they're going to hold out until the dead or uh, not the deadline, the uh, draft where more teams will be in and they can get a, high, a better deal. Uh, either way though, I'm sure jury jury's already being torn apart for the fact that he's, he's asked for a trade for the second time. Yeah. And he, he sounds like the exact kind of player that uh, Jim Rutherford said he really wants to get in Vancouver. Uh, so I almost wonder if that leaves open the possibility that they add Brock Besser. Uh, but at the same time, they've been playing so well this year. I'm not totally certain about the idea of, uh, you know, of, of bringing in, you know, yet another kind of mix to the chemistry of the team, so to speak. Uh, especially when they already have a pretty decent forward group. And realistically, I don't know how you make that work under the cap without giving up, you know, Barclay Goudreau or Ryan Lindgren or some somebody like that. Uh, I'm trying to see what um, his cap is. I, I feel like uh, I feel like the Rangers, if they they're going to make another move, but they're going to make a move to more solidify like the bottom six in depth. It will be, I, I keep seeing his name thrown out a lot since they have a connection to him as well, but like the Tyler Mons, that's going to be the type of move that the Rangers make around the deadline. I don't know. I've seen people throw out the idea that since uh, he's asked for the trade uh, and Patrick Kane made it very, very clear after the Tarasenko deal that he was not happy that uh, he got traded to the Rangers. So pretty much answering what we all suspected all along, which is Patrick Kane wanted to waive his no trade clause and go to New York and play with Artemi Panarin again. So the rumors, did you know they were buddies? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, they're buddies, but uh, yeah, that's, that's a thing. And I I guess, I guess it really was such a thing to the point where all of our, all of those rumors were true. So uh, I've seen people throw out the idea that maybe Patrick Kane still comes to the Rangers in this deal because the Rangers send Vitelli to Chicago and Chicago funnels him through like Arizona where they, Chicago eats half the salary and then Arizona eats half the salary and the Rangers send like a pick. I'm like, it's not happening. Patrick Kane to the yeah. Rangers is done. The Tarasenko deal and, and it, ended that. And, and we've seen how he's played this year. Yeah, I don't want I don't know any seriously contending team that would want to give up a whole bunch of stuff like this in, you know, and in turn for something like that, you know, it's just, obviously there's still better options on the market. Oh yeah. It's, it's been, I I almost kind of want to see if there's going to be a New York area arms race with this, because we talked about last week, the Islanders, going out and getting Bo Horvat. Mm. And now the Rangers went out and got Tarasenko and uh, everyone keeps linking Timo Meyer to the devils, uh, which, you know, certainly isn't a done deal, at least at the time that we're recording this. Yeah. Uh, but for an elite shot creator like that, I could, I could really be interested in kind of seeing how the rest of the thing plays 
how the rest of the year plays out for the New York area teams. Well, it's funny you say that because I was going to, because we're, we're going to have to discuss this. The fact that now that a second, you know, I, I guess we could say the Islanders landed the big, the big pro, the, the big trade deadline, the guy that everybody was looking at, Bo Horvat. That was the big guy. I would say Tarasenko was maybe top five on that list. He's definitely wasn't the number two be- behind Horvat. That's definitely Timo Meyer in my eyes. Uh, young guy, control, all that stuff where Tarasenko is pretty much going to be the rental. Uh, Horvat signed the extension with the Islanders. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out. We've shared our thoughts on all of that already. Uh, but yeah, Timo Meyer to the Devils, I feel like is going to be the next domino that falls because sure we've got guys being scratched uh, you know left and right around the league it feels like because their impending trade is coming and we'll talk about that in a second and that craziness that i feel like i have never seen to this level before um or this early as well uh yeah but timo meyer to the devils i feel like almost has to happen the question is did the Islanders and the Rangers put the devils in a position where they're going to end up overpaying because it's going to be a high payment for Timo Meyer anyway. Are they going to overpay or are they going to be able to get him for market value, which at this point um, seems like a first round draft pick and some form of a prospect. I got to imagine with, with the other two deals. Yeah. That, yeah. That seems to be the going rate for these players. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that seems about right. And the the thing that is really interesting to me for the Devils in particular is, uh, you know, they're 7-1-2 and two in their last 10. They're still playing pretty decent hockey. If the playoffs started today, uh, they would be playing the Rangers and they would have home ice advantage. The thing that kind of comes up to play here is that if you look at where they're at, and, and as I kind of like dug into some of their advanced numbers, uh, they're not playing very well. Uh, they're, you know, they're they're at that point of a win streak where you're winning games you probably should have lost. Uh, but honestly, just looking at their underlying numbers and kind of how it ranks to the rest of the league, if this team took a nosedive in the month of March, I would not be surprised. Uh, now, will they take enough of a nosedive to not be in the playoffs anymore? Uh, probably not. That would take a lot uh, here, given that they have 75 points and the next wild card team behind them, the Penguins, has 63. Uh, but I just don't know how how much it's worth it to go out and add somebody at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, but here's the thing: you got it. Like we're we're entering the part of the arms race now. Like you have to. I feel like you have to make those moves. And if you're a team like the Devils, you know, you you put yourself in a position where, if you don't like, I, Timo Meyer, in my opinion, has to be the move because it's one that puts them into a much better position. Like they're a good team, but that's a move that I think makes them a real true competitor come playoff time. Because yes, if season ends today, they face the Rangers first round head to head. I in a in a best of seven series, I honestly could see the Rangers winning that head to head right now, especially with the Rangers adding a top six winger now. So now they have their 
they they they've got some more balance to their team where I've I've thrown it out there. The Devils to me are kind of a shut down that first line and the depth scoring really isn't there that much. It comes from a lot of that Jack Hughes. And it's been there lately yeah, because it, Hughes it, has been out, but but like you said, they're they're winning games that otherwise they should lose. So I feel like I don't know. I just and plus, if you're the Devils and you don't make a move by the deadline, oh my gosh, if I'm in that locker room, I'm looking around going, well, what was the point of playing so well if... Yeah, what else do we yeah. need to do to get you to believe in yeah, us? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, because I expected and, some help in here. I expected us to go out and get one of these guys that uh, are rentals, you know, give up a first, man. Yeah. We've got kids. <laughs> yeah, but like in that, in that same breath for it, if, if I'm... You know, adding, I'm, I'm going out to get Connor Garland or Nick said or something to, you know, shore up the team and show that I did something. Uh, but I, the the price for Timo Meyer because there's so many teams that are in on him, uh, mean that you're going to probably have to give up Dawson Mercer or uh, Chase Stillman or, or some, some of these real, real decent products. And the rest of your team is so young uh, that you, I would almost kind of look around and say, well, you know, I don't know if I want to let go of these guys. So, and, you know, for what could be a really solid core going forward. Yeah. The devils definitely have a really good core right now. They're a good young team and it's, you know, like making the playoffs this year is just going to make them even better. And hell, they could do what, you know, the Rangers did last year. They could get the perfect draw and beat the Rangers and get through that series and then get past Carolina or, you know, just make it a seven game series and you get the experience of what it takes. Um, You know, yeah. And and realistically, I don't know how somebody like, uh, as far as goalies go, you know, the, it's so hard to trade a goalie at the deadline because the teams that are in a position to add already have goaltending and the teams that need goaltending usually aren't, uh, are, you know, looking forward to the draft at that point. So it's, you know, I don't even know who would even be available for him. Like James Reimer, maybe, but that's not going to help you that much. Yeah. Uh, but, but I would say that the devils right now, that is probably their biggest weak spot is goaltending. And, and, you know, when you have it, it's 70% of the game. When you don't have it, it's a hundred percent of the game. And and it's, it's just, I'm almost kind of sitting here watching and wondering how long it's going to continue to hold up. Yeah. The goaltending has been the, uh, I mean, it's, it's done its job. Uh, I'm sure the capitals probably are, are looking over and going, oh man, um, but again, how, like you said, how long does it hold up? Cause it, we're, we've seen some fractures in it of late. We're starting to see it where the question marks are, should start being, you know, raised right now of, does this last or is this, is, is it starting to finally fall out? Are they coming back to earth? Are they no longer playing? You know, I, I don't know, man, like the devils to me definitely are a team that, that needs to make a move by the deadline and I expect to, but I really, I really would be surprised if they don't end up with, if not Timo Meyer, at least being in on something like 
or somebody I should say like Ryan O'Reilly or or Ivan Barbashev for that matter. Yeah, although Barbashev uh, sounds like he's going to cost a first as, as well, which is weird because he's he's a decent playmaker, yeah. but he's definitely a bottom six forward. Uh, granted, sometimes that's the guys that help you win the cup, you know, because, uh, well, that team has McDavid and I have, you know, Nathan McKinnon that, that can, that can cancel each other out a little bit, but the, the lightning has have been really famous for that, for having Blake Coleman, mm-hmm. for having Barkley Goudreau to bring him up again. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll, you, historically a lot of those depth players are what makes or breaks you in the playoffs. And it, it wouldn't be unheard of for someone like Ivan Barbashev to go to just completely go off in the playoffs. Uh, but it's, I, I don't know. I, I don't know about giving up more than a first for a bottom six guy yeah. as a rental. Yeah, same. I thought it was really weird when I heard that when or when I saw that being reported that he, I guess the asking price was for a, a first round pick. I thought the same thing you did. I was like, Barbershev might be at best the second round pick, but I figured at least a third. Yeah, and and there's a lot of posturing that goes along That's with true. a lot of this. You know, it, the asking price is a first. Well, you know, I can ask my boss for a hundred thousand dollar bonus. <laughs> I'm not going to get it, yeah. but I can ask. That, that's uh, true. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and with negotiations, a lot of times, sometimes you want to come in high and make it look like you're giving up something to meet in the middle and all that stuff. All right. uh, but yeah, that is. That is kind of the situation there. And th- there's there's a lot that just seems like it's very up in the air and potentially on the move right now. Yeah, and, and speaking of players that are potentially on the move, let's get into some of those scratch guys. Um, Chikrin. <laughs> what, 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 what do you, what's your take on this? Jacob Chikrin. Let's, let's the man's been this. on the block so long, Jennifer Lopez is starting to get really concerned about it. <laughs> yeah, Chikrin you know, from the, the block. The Jenny on the block. Chikrin yeah. from the block. Here he is. J-Lo Cub Chikrin. Yeah. Is this anything? J, yeah. <laughs> JC. Uh, no, there is a JC. Uh, one yeah. of the boy bands. Uh, yeah. Um, all right, so he's going to be traded apparently, uh, and he's been scratched now for uh, what is it? Three, two, two games, three games. Um, but we don't know where. Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> yeah, and they keep they they keep just saying it's going to be, uh, it, it, you know, he's scratched for trade related purposes, which is interesting when a team just comes right out and says that. Uh, but usually, A, it's for a very high-end player, which, you know, Jacob Chikrin, as far as trade value, he's definitely that kind of guy. Uh, but it's also usually means, like, this guy's getting traded tonight. Uh, the the big rumor that they always had for it was uh, that he's going to L.A. And, the, and, and there's, I don't know, it almost seems like it's a he said, she said thing at this point, because... Uh, like LA kind of shot it down, but it also kind of made sense because they were having, you know, the big Dustin Brown night. Uh, so they probably wanted all the attention to be on that rather than LA just made this big trade. Uh, but the, there was a lot that was going on about, uh, their defensive prospect, Brant Clark, 
was a part going to be a part of the deal and apparently they got really upset about that and said no absolutely not he's uh you know this guy's staying here and uh quentin byfield apparently is off the table as well uh which you know maybe is something you say to get the coyotes to pony up more for him i don't know uh but they're also uh kind of saying that uh la had to to make it work under the cap has to send a bad contract back uh which the coyotes are maybe not quite as interested in doing so there's a i don't know uh that could get resolved it could mean arizona moves on to someone else uh as a suitor it it is all up in the air and the thing that sucks about trade deadline is this may be decided by the time you listen to this yeah so uh don't take my word for it (laughs) that's yeah uh don't because chances are once we stop recording uh chikrin's gonna get traded to like I, I don't know, like the Panthers or something like that out of nowhere. Somebody that just a team that isn't even on the radar. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like the Oilers are going to be a good destination. It, it really is just figuring out that money thing. Cause you know, Arizona won't retain any salary. He's got two years left on his deal. That, that's just, you know, it's, that's dumb to do unless it's expiring. Uh, I don't know what bag contract you could send back that Arizona would take on even for a one-year deal. Uh, I, I don't, I, you know, but yeah, I, I, they'll figure that out. I think the Oilers, I think they need him. I think that's a good destination for him. Uh, did I say Oilers? I think you did say, don't you said the Oilers. I oh my God. I mean, if I did, I'm an idiot. I'm thinking of the, the Kings is where Jacob Chick. Well, you, you said, you said the Kings as well. I'm, I'm throwing it. I thought you mentioned the Oilers as well first, but I, you know, I I might, I think that might be me looking at my notes because I have Eric Carlson to the Oilers. Ah, you think Carlson goes to the Oilers, eh? I, I, I should, I should clarify. I don't want Eric Carlson to the Oilers, uh, but that seems to be, I, I want Eric Carlson back to Ottawa and, you know, be, be gets to be the conquering hero there. Uh, but for, for everything that they're talking about, it seems that Edmonton's really, really trying hard to get another puck moving defenseman. Uh, and I, I mean, it, it just seems like a really obvious match. Uh, granted, I don't know how, again, I don't know how you make this work with the cap unless you, you know, bring in another team to uh, filter it here, you know, paging Steve Eiserman in Detroit. Uh, but the other thing that they said is Tyson Berry uh, might be really likely to go to San Jose as a part of it. So uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, I don't know. I, I find it hard to believe that they could figure out the cap situation for Carlson because he's just so much more. And if it already would be a crunch, like that's why I think uh Chikrin's a good, would be a good move for them because they need that defenseman that can move the puck. He's a big body as well. Uh, does not have the injury situation that Carlson does, but yeah. And, and cap wise, I think trying to make it work could be easier. Again, it's just trying to figure out who you, who you try to include. Uh, like Tyson Berry, I guess with his, he's got a 4.5 million hit. Uh, 
and no uh, trade protection. Yeah, yeah. It's the big thing that stuck out to me. Yeah, so I guess that's the way you make it. You try to make it work. But yeah, Carlson, it seems hard for Carlson just because it's it's going to be hard to move that $11.5 million and find a way to really with any team make that work under the cap unless you can convince a third GM to come in. But I find it, it's, I mean, we've seen crazier things before, but I, I, I just, if I'm a general manager, I don't care if I have cap space, I don't want to help another team get better and try and win. That's just for for one year though yeah actually no no i take that back i take that back eric carlson signed way beyond this year i take that back. yeah that's uh, yeah so that's 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 the other that's the other thing with carlson is okay you're gonna get like somebody else to what it's like another two years after this or something or is it three yeah i i i think it's three all right so you know for three more years you're gonna take on 25 percent of his salary so that he can go play you know in Edmonton and and try and win a cup with them and uh, nah I don't uh, I mean but again crazier things have happened you know it's the trade deadline hell this could again happen before we stop recording uh because I guess that's another thing with the trade deadline are we leading up to a big trade deadline or are we leading up to a bust now that two of the biggest names are off the board and potentially more dominoes? You know, they, they talk about this every, they talk about it every year where they're, uh, you know, they have all these big, uh, you know, media time set aside and all this for this stuff. And sometimes everything happens the day before, Uh, but it's hard to kind of say which way it's going to go. Cause there, there's, there's a lot of names that are still out there that I think have the potential to move. Uh, but it's just kind of a matter of timing. And if they're already holding people out of the lineup, that might lend itself to saying people move sooner rather than later. Um, all right. From one scratch player to another scratch player, let's move towards uh, your area, the Columbus Blue Jackets. They have scratched their 27-year-old defenseman, uh, Vladislav uh, Gavrikov. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, holy crap, dude. Uh, I think they're going to easily pull a first-rounder for him. Which is weird, because he's not first He's a good addition, but he's not a first-round pick-level good addition. Uh, my not, thing... Like, it, it, well, I was just going to say my thing to it is I think I- I'm basing this off of the fact that Columbus, uh, when they dealt Savard for a first and a third, he is yeah, much better Savard than Savard wasn't that good Savard. either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, He's yeah. much better than Savard. So if you're able to fetch that for uh, Savard, oh my God, you have to be able to fetch that for, for him. Yeah, Columbus got a first and a third for Savard. And and to yeah. that credit, they're really, really good about uh, being able to hype somebody up ahead of the trade deadline. Uh, you know, how much of that is, you know, some of their uh, friends helping them a little bit. I'll get to something on that in a little bit. Uh, you know, it's hard to say. But for, I, I'm 
if if I'm a fan of a team that's playoff bound, I really do not want them to be in the Gabrikov business because there's going there's going to be a massive overpayment there. Yeah, yeah, this is one of those ones that is is looking like a big overpayment, uh, especially since he's a 2.8 million cap hit. You figure the Blue Jackets will be willing to eat half of that. Uh, yeah. So he's a sexy, sexy appeal. At that cap hit, for sure. But it's just, I don't know. I, I, I could go out and get Sean Walker or Ole Mata or all, all kinds of other players like that, too, uh, that aren't going to cost me a first-round pick. And for... It, Compare it to Luke Shen, for example, because that's like a, one of those real good depth defensemen that can make or break you in the playoffs, like I was talking about earlier. Uh, his cap hits lower. He has a super physical style. He has that reputation of kind of being, you know, scary to play against, uh, where hand to God, I hadn't heard of Vladislav Gavrikov before this season. So it, it's... I don't know. I don't know how it happened here, uh, but he he could just as easily be end up being this year's Ben Sherat. Yeah. Oh, um, by the way, to circle back to uh, Chikrin for a second, uh, got to mention this with the LA Kings since they're in on him. This plays an impact as well. Uh, we didn't mention that they signed Mikey Anderson to an eight year extension. Uh yeah, so he's getting uh, an annual, uh, an average annual value of uh, 4.125. And that's going to carry through through uh, 2030, uh, the 31 season. So, yeah, that, 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 raise, I, that I, raise plays a little impact as well. I don't understand the thought process of putting a depth defenseman on an eight-year deal. I, I, I just don't. Great, great. Hey, if you're uh, Michael Anderson, good for you, man. That's that's awesome that you get to have that kind of certainty put in place. But I just, man, like, I haven't I haven't tried to dissect it too much, but that is a move I genuinely cannot wrap my head around. <laughs> unless, I'll give you another unless thing. Unless they are, unless they are desperately trying to get a level of certainty going into uh, the trade deadline so they can figure out how much of their future is going to be tied up in these guys. That's, that's a, that's, that's a good point. Uh, Here's another thing to wrap your head around. The defenseman's extension contains a 10 team, no trade clause that begins in the 26, 27 season. It's the year he would have first gained UFA status. So he gave up UFA years for that contract. Yes. Yes. Which again, wow. there's something to say to that, but I, 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 I live by the logic of, and you know, uh, if anybody's ever heard him talk about it, I, you know, I agree with him about it, but, uh, down goes Brown, uh, McAdoo, man. Like I'm with him in the logic of thinking of, I don't understand why you would give up, why you wouldn't ride that to your UFA, knowing that the cap is going to raise in two years so you will be making more money and that's where you will be able to max out at a max at, at a cap that's maxing out more than where it is now. So whatever you sign now, you're signing less than what you could earn. I, I don't know. I don't get it. Like, but then again, there's something to say for a guy like, for all I know, Anderson could literally be someone that's like, I just want security and I want to know what I'm making every year. Yeah. 
and $4.125 million is not bad for eight years. Let's be real. Yeah. And, and what I have the stop me if I've talked about this before, but I've always kind of speculated agents have a lot to do with deals like this right now, just because they are, uh, it's becoming more and more common for players to switch agents before, uh, their big, you know, their last really big deal. Mm -hmm. So I think from an agent standpoint, you know, if I'm potentially going to lose this guy as a client, once he hits UFA anyway, uh, to hell with it, you know, sign for as much as you can for as long as you can right now. And then I know I'm going to get a piece of that for the entire contract. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, Trade deadline wise, all of that, uh, those those are the two scratch players right now ahead of the deadline. Guys that we know could have been moved by the time you listen to this. Um, trying to think if there's uh, trying to see if there's anything else on the notes as far as. You want to know what's happening in Detroit? Yeah, tell us what's happening in Detroit right now. Uh, so. Jacob Verana oh, yeah. getting called back up from the AHL as uh, Lucas Raymond goes on injured reserve. Uh, whether or not this is for him to just be a part of the team again and bring that uh, dynamic five-on-five sniper value, uh, or if they're showcasing him a bit uh, prior to trading him, I don't know. Uh, I really hope they don't trade him, uh, given what his struggles have been like this year. I really want to see him make a big comeback as a Red Wing. Uh, I'm very grateful for the fact that they're playing Edmonton tonight, so I don't have to miss any of the game. Hey. Uh, but the there's a lot of question marks around him. Uh there's a lot of question marks around Dylan Larkin. Is he going to sign? Is he not going to sign? Nothing's really changed there. Uh, but the the other big thing that you keep hearing about is playmaking top six winger Tyler Bertuzzi, uh, whose value has been at a low point just because he's barely played this year after breaking his hands twice. Uh, the He has that name value, that cachet that makes people think, you know, this is going to be a a really good acquisition to have, especially if you're a team like Tampa Bay, who just always kind of has understands the value of having guys that are really hard to play against. Uh, What kind of made my uh, BS detector go off uh, is the three teams rumored to be in on Tyler Bertuzzi was uh, Edmonton, Dallas, and Tampa. Dude, Edmonton is literally linked to everybody this, this so, right so here's why I think it's BS. Uh, Steve Eiserman, as we all know, uh, was GM of Tampa for a while. Uh, kind of taught their current GM, uh, Brisois, a whole lot. Uh, Got to assume they're kind of buddies. Uh, Ken Holland freaking uh, was part of the Red Wings when they drafted Iserman and when they brought him into the front office after his career as well. They're probably buddies. And uh, an assistant GM under Ken Holland for a number of years is Jim Nill, who's the GM in Dallas right now. So all three of the teams rumored to be in on Tyler Bertuzzi just happen to have this big connection back to Detroit. So are they realistically in on it or is it a case of 
you know, I'll do my buddy uh, Steve Eiserman a favor. Uh, maybe, you know, pump up Bertuzzi's trade value a bit by making it seem like multiple teams are into him. Collusion is all I'm hearing. I, I don't know. I don't know. Collusion. I'm just, Collusion. I think it's off. I think it's awfully convenient that those are the three teams. Um, And thinking about those three teams, I mean, all three of them could conv- could conceivably actually think that that's a good addition because they're going to be looking to shore up more of their bottom six as opposed to anything up top. So they're not really looking for the 40 goal scorer. They're looking for the guy that's, you know, like, like you just mentioned, make you get to make it tough in the playoffs to somebody that's going to grind down uh, that board play there uh, in those playoff games. So I don't know, but you know, I do have him actually on my, on my list uh, as like the, eighth probably like the eighth highest rated deadline pickup accusation uh acquisition you could probably see happen like i have him right above jonathan taves yeah that's that seems about yeah right. yeah and, and and he's right below ivan barbashev so like i'd rather have barbashev but if i didn't get him bertuzzi wouldn't be a bad you know pick up to me and if I don't get Bertuzzi, then I don't mind Taves. Yeah, and so there's there's a lot more attention on Detroit than I typically like to see. But yeah, you know, we'll but see. well, and it's interesting we'll, we'll because see. I've been holding out a little bit more hope, I guess, on Detroit than you have. Uh, and and I don't know. I've I've been curious. Detroit intrigues me in a lot of different ways because I feel like we've talked about it. They made the moves that you would expect them to take the next step and compete. It feels like they haven't been competing, but weirdly enough, when you look at the standings, they're four games back of Washington or four. Yeah. They're they're four games uh, in hand on Washington and they're something like six points back. So it's one of those things like, Oh, realistically they could jump their way into the playoff conversation or into the playoffs. So you've kind of been lingering, but it's been a really weird year where I'd say that it, it just, it doesn't feel like the steps been taken. So yeah, there are a lot of eyes on Detroit. So I'm curious to see what direction they go because really honestly, by the deadline, you could realistically be right there, even with the Islanders or ahead of them. Yeah, and and I think the big thing that would it, it wouldn't be it's not completely out of the question that they catch up to them, but a you know when you're trying to leapfrog yeah. four or five teams, that's that's a pretty tall task, and the the schedule is just not working out in their favor much. I mean, they got the Oilers uh, here in the next couple of weeks. They have a game against the Capitals, the Rangers, and the Lightning. Uh, that's not going to be an easy week. Uh, they have two games left against the Bruins. Uh, there, there's there's a lot of te- – the Hurricanes are in the mix there, the Stars, the Lightning again. Uh, there, there's a lot of really tough games ahead of them, and if you're – if you're going to pull off something like that, you need to win every single game, more or less. So I mean, they're on I, a three-game winning streak right now. Yeah, and it helps when you play Vancouver twice. Uh, but I, I just, I, it, it's hard for me to buy in at that. Whereas Buffalo, 
I think, uh, given, you know, the Tage Thompson-esque uh, nature of that team, I don't know if they're a team that makes a move at the deadline, but I would be, I would not be completely surprised if they ended up pulling it off. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually shocked because I figured that uh, it, getting back to the, the, the New York, New Jersey teams here, the fourth new, the fourth one of those teams, the other New York team, the third New York one, uh, the Sabers. Yeah, they're they're on a three game losing streak right now. They've been playing a little bit, you know. They're kind of falling off a little bit again. Um, I'm shocked that they've been so quiet with not being linked to anybody because I figured for sure, especially following the three game losing streak, like it would have been an active either make a move, kind of like what the Islanders did. You you make the move to try and change things right now. Or you hear them saying like, you know, making those public statements of like, hey, locker room, if you can do your job, we're going to do ours over here and get something for you. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, what is the best case scenario for either one of those teams? Realistically, you can scratch and claw your way into the playoffs and have the Bruins or the Hurricanes kick your teeth in. So yeah. I, I, I wouldn't mind if my team ended up doing that, but I certainly wouldn't go out and add pieces to try to accomplish that. I'm not, well, I'm not saying they're, they're going to be the ones that are in on like bringing Ryan O'Reilly back or something like that. Uh, you know, like they're not in on that, but they're in on the lower end moves. Cause you know, to them, uh, you know, it's more the tiny move of, Let's try and get there because, again, yeah, you're right. Whoever gets in in the wild card, you're setting yourself up to face two of the toughest teams uh, that the Eastern Conference has to throw up against you. Granted, it's the playoffs and it's a best of seven series and, you know, crazier things have happened in the way this playoff format is. It's kind of wild, but you would imagine that the one and two are going to win with this playoff format. Uh, but yeah, it's all about the experience, man. Like if Detroit gets in, then, then it's that confidence of we got in and what's going to come next. We're going into the off season now and we've got a GM that has a great track record. The same thing for Buffalo. Uh, maybe not so much the GM aspect of things because they don't have Steve Eisenman in there. Somebody that's won a bunch of cups, but you know, that idea of we took the step, we got there now we're a destination again. Like people are going to want to come here, right? Yeah, it, it it does a lot for your cachet among UFAs to be able to say, hey, we were in the playoffs last year. It does a whole lot for, you know, a younger team, especially to get them some playoff experience. Uh, it, it's, you know, there's a lot of benefits to it. But again, I just, I'm not going out and I'm and giving up assets to add pieces to accomplish it. Yeah. Although you mentioned Ryan O'Reilly. Do you remember when we originally did the podcast, he had that big saga coming back from the KHL and wanted a big split with Colorado. And there was all this big drama surrounding it. You know, who could really use a second line center? (laughs) Colorado. I, I, I doubt it will happen, but I will laugh so much if it does. It could happen. 
it's not the most unrealistic thing. And speaking of a team that definitely is going to be active at the deadline to try and get better, you got to imagine the Avalanche are going to have to get in on somebody. Yeah, they, they were kind of linked to Bo Horvat before that move ended mm-hmm. up being made. Uh, but, you know, they've had a very strange year yeah. up to this point. They're they're sitting third in the Central right now. Uh, you know, there's the Wild could catch up to them. Uh, I don't know that Nashville has a realistic shot, uh, but... I, I could see them going back and forth or whether or not they're a wild card team, but, but it's it, they don't really have a playoff spot almost set in stone. Like some of the other teams we talked about, like the devils and the Rangers and all of them mm-hmm. do. Uh, so it, it's, I, I don't know. It, you, you gotta believe that if this team was healthy all year, they're in a different spot. So maybe you say, yeah, let's go all in and try to do this again. But it, it, Outside of Ryan O'Reilly, I don't know a ton of other really good options for him. Yeah, that's that's the thing. When you look at, like, they they don't want Patrick Kane. Like, I mean, you know, yeah, sure, Timo Meyer, but chances of the Sharks trading Meyer to Colorado and Colorado having what they want in return. Uh, you know, oh, God, running through the list. Yeah. Dumba, Sean Monahan, you know, from the Habs, maybe Max Domi. Sean Monahan would be interesting. Uh, I don't think Max Domi is a second line no, center on a real successful team. Uh, but yeah, there's, I don't know, what, what's going to happen is there's going to be a bunch of moves that we didn't even mention the teams involved in them. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess uh, Florida yeah. has Timo Meyer now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, every, everybody we told you somebody was linked to uh, that go bet the other option <laughs> in Vegas because it's not going to happen. So and. <laughs> And and a lot of times they'll tell you that, you know, the best indicator of past behavior or future behavior is past behavior. Uh, in that sort of line, I tried to do a really deep dive on one of the worst trades I remember ever happening. Okay. Do you want to hear about Please. it? Please. All right. So the year is 2013. We're getting our podcast off the ground where there's no hockey. It's a lockout shortened season. The Washington Capitals are going all in on it. They trade Philip Forsberg to the Nashville Predators for Martin Erat and Michael Lotta. I remember uh, this Mike, trade because I did uh, not like this trade. I don't think anyone liked this trade. I, I don't think george mcphee liked this trade and he made it uh it it, it felt like there was probably a direction from ownership to go out and mortgage everything you possibly could to go all in this year uh but even then it feels like you were trying to get rid of philip forsberg for some reason uh now michael lotta played 113 games for the capitals uh he had 17 points over that period of time, uh, Martin Erat played 62 games for the Capitals and was out of the league in a couple years after that. Uh, he had 27 points and four playoff games. 
Uh, Philip Forsberg has played every one of his professional games for the Predators. He has played 606 games up to this point with 239 goals. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious who won this trade. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah. (laughs) Now, I started pulling at this thread, kind of wondering what things might be like if this trade didn't happen. And I was really surprised the number of things that I could connect it to. Uh, The biggest part about it is that if Philip Forsberg is on your team in the 2015 offseason, at this point he probably has two seasons under his belt, maybe just the one. Uh, But you know that he's an elite offensive talent. Uh, I don't if you're the Capitals and you held on to Philip Forsberg, you put him on the team, I mean, imagine him playing with Ovechkin, number one, but I don't know if you go out and trade for TJ Oshie, mm-hmm. which is what happened in that 2015 offseason. Uh, the Blues were basically just trying to make a little bit more cap space. Uh, they sent Oshie to the Capitals for Troy Brower, uh, Phoenix Copley, and a third. Uh, I'll let you be the judge of which one of those pieces ends up being the most valuable because uh, Troy, (laughs) (laughs) Troy Brower, uh, you know, didn't stick around too long with the blues. He ended up uh, going to Calgary as a UFA afterwards, but having him and Tom Wilson on your team, when you have that Philip Forsberg offense, that is a, mean nasty team to play against yeah i feel like and 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 granted this all pivots around philip forsberg being a really big role on the capitals and you know who's to say if he would have developed the same there i there's a lot to it yeah because because you got to remember with the capitals he probably would have been playing um closer to fourth or third line minutes where if i recall the minute he got to nashville he was first line yeah he he was but for but you either keep uh troy brower and you're a much meaner team to play against those last couple years maybe win the cup a little bit sooner or you still make that trade and you have tj oshi and philip forsberg on the same line that's kind of intense that's that's wild yeah i remember that philip forsberg trade because i remember looking at one of our fraternity brothers and just laughing (laughs) 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 and and he was trying to justify uh martin e-rat and i was like the coolest thing is that now you get to say you have a dirty e-rat um (laughs) that's the coolest thing about martin e-rat dude you gave up such a prime kid for just pieces that really didn't make sense like it wasn't one of those like it, it wasn't one of those trades too like maybe erat you could try and justify again like you could try and justify it but it wasn't one of those trades where it's like yeah this is like a good third and fourth line piece you, you can justify trading for martin erat around that time of year there there's no way you can justify trading philip for exactly for exactly like it's just so it was so lopsided and it remains lopsided, and I'm happy Philip Forsberg has had a great career in Nashville. I mean, it was so honestly that was one of the cooler things going there as well. I was super stoked that I got to see Philip Forsberg play hockey in Nashville. Yeah. Now there's more to this. There's more. The St. Louis Blues very famously completely bottom out 
Yeah, they did. Uh, before, you know, going on to win the cup a year later. I wonder how much they bottom out if they keep Phoenix Copley like they did from this trade. Because right now, Phoenix Copley is the only thing keeping the LA Kings playoff hopes alive. Mm-hmm. I have more on that if we want to go down that route. But Phoenix Copley hangs around with the Blues. He plays like two games for him. And he gets traded back to Washington in 2017 with Kevin Shattenkirk as a part of a package that features Zach Sanford. Now, Zach Sanford was only a depth piece, but in that playoff run, he also ends up uh, doing like four points in the last five games against the Bruins and scores the series clinching goal, which again, we can tie back directly to this Philip Forsberg trade because of how it ties in the TJ Oshie trade now, and a first round pick I should mention for Kevin Shattenkirk. Now that happens to the 2017 around the deadline at that very draft. The blues are two spots back from the capitals in their draft spot. They're picking 28th. The caps are picking 26th. The Blues have their eyes on somebody. You remember that third round pick I mentioned to you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That third round pick gets packaged with 28th overall to let the Blues move up into Washington spot to draft 26th. They draft Tage Thompson with that pick. Oh, oh I see where this is going. Who, who has a decent rookie year and is part of the package for Ryan O'Reilly. And that was the deal that sealed the deal. Oh, and and the the part that I left out, uh, that first round pick for Kevin Shattenkirk was part of the package they sent to the Flyers for Luke Shen. Uh, Luke Shen, still a top line, or maybe not a top line center, but he still signed in St. Louis. Uh, But they didn't do great in the playoffs for that cup run, but he had the first year he had with him he played all 82 games he had 70 points i mean what do you want out of the guy uh so i feel like this was either fantastic radio or terrible radio but yeah. it can't be anything in between but just as i pulled more and more of this thread i saw more and more connections with it i might try to do this more in the future this was fun it's always well that's always kind of the fun thing to do is to go down that rabbit hole of like all right so what did this do what did that do what did this pick where'd that go so yeah that's that's fun it's fun to see how it all eventually led back to both teams winning their cups. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, actually speaking of, yeah, let's, let's just jump into the capitals, I guess. Um, really quickly. Uh, if we want to stick with them, uh, sure. some sad news. Uh, well, first off they have, uh, this weekend is the, uh, upcoming stadium series. Canes, Capitals, uh, they actually just met last night in a preview of that game. Uh, Hurricanes defeated the Capitals in that one. So a uh, nice little teaser to the main event. Uh, kind of like uh, watching a Monday Night Raw prior to WrestleMania where you, get yeah. that, you, know, you get that little battle before you get the big battle. But 8 o'clock, ABC, ESPN+, Plus, all the uh, Disney affiliate stuff that you pay for that's where you can watch the game but uh probably not going to have alexander ovechkin 
playing in this game because sad news for Ovi, he is back home, uh, revealed earlier today that his father passed away. Yeah, that's, I I mean, he was 70 something, so maybe not entirely unexpected. Uh, But of course, you know, you feel for him and it's great that the Capitals are giving him as much time as he needs to go ahead and get things taken care of there. I'm sure the organizers of the stadium series are less than pleased with it, but you know, some things are bigger than the sport. So you want to see him uh, get the time to kind of, you know, appropriately mourn and put things in order there. Yeah, I I think I think I saw it was uh, LaViolette that said it's just family comes first no matter what. So uh, you definitely no matter what you feel for the guy uh, sucks. That's a horrible situation. Uh, And yeah, uh, hopefully, you know, he takes the time he needs and comes back when he's ready to. Uh, so uh, kudos to the Capitals giving him that time, like you said. Uh, yeah. And, and I saw some people were worked up over the fact that they said out indefinitely. I, it doesn't mean he's going to take three months to no. do this. It just means they don't have the exact date na- nailed down. He may take a week. He may be back Friday. It it all, it's kind of up to him. Yeah. Ser- like, honestly, he could come back for the stadium series. Like, that for all you know, he could be coming back for that game. The inde- the 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 out indefinitely is like you said. It's it's when he's ready to come back. So, uh, you know, whenever that is, I'm sure he'll know. We'll find out after he tells somebody. Uh, over the weekend, the NHL did things pretty right. I gotta say, uh, I don't know if you watched any of the games, but Saturday, fourteen games. And they were done exactly like how we had suggested in order to help ratings. Uh, they all had different start times. And you had, uh, what was it? It was Tampa Bay and Dallas was on ABC at like one o'clock. Or, yeah, one o'clock they were on. But there was games that started at noon. There was a game at 1230. Then the one o'clock game on, on ABC, which if, oh my God, dude, I don't know if you watched any of that. That was a blast. I I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I definitely read about it afterwards. Oh man, gosh! If that, that was a good one, that if that is a you know, I know they it was it was hyped as the rematch of the Stanley Cup final from from the fake Cup final year in the bubble. Um, <laughs> but man, did that live up to uh, if that is the Cup final? Oh, I sign me up for seven games of that. Now, I, it's not out of the realm of possibility, and I feel like the the West is just so wide open this year. So much more. Would one say years. it's a wild, wild West? Uh, if it's going to be that movie, I would absolutely <laughs> not say that. Yeah, get ready for the giant spider in the Stanley Cup final, baby. Okay, robotic yeah. spider well, coming. Uh, I I mentioned a specific actor, but I've been instructed to keep his name out of my mouth. Oh no no no, that's uh, his wife. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the I don't. There's something about the Stars team that it feels like there's. I it's I, Jake Ottinger. De- <laughs> well, well, the the word desperation might be too strong. But realistically, Jamie Ben's 33, Tyler Sagan's 31, Joe Pavelski's 38. Yeah. 
this might be it, man. This is the, the, yeah. Ryan Suter's on that team. He's thirty eight. Uh, this could be the last real chance they get to make a a run at this. Agreed. Uh, this is absolutely the window is closing. We've got to do it now because if we don't. You know, they'll probably be around in it next year. But again, a year older of Sagan, Pavelski's under contract again next year. Uh, they ain't getting any younger. If they can't get there this year, I they ain't getting there next year. That's for damn sure. Yeah. And and, and granted, you know, t- uh, Tyler Sagan did win the cup in Boston his rookie year. Uh, but um, for a lot of these other guys, you know, that uh, fake cup final was the closest sniff that they ever had. Uh, so you you got to believe a lot of them are going to be extra motivated to kind of make that happen. And I just, I've got a feeling about the stars. I, yeah, I, I don't uh, know if it's a sense of impending doom or a, uh, this is, you know, the year it finally all comes together. Uh, but I don't hate their chances of making it out of the West. Yeah, they've they've had a nice season. They're definitely playing some really good hockey. Uh, very quiet, really good hockey. Like, I actually didn't realize how good they were until I watched uh, that game on Saturday that kicked off, like, the whole day of broadcast television for hockey. Uh, and I do have to say... As much credit as I've given the new partnership of of getting it out there that that there are games on, I had no freaking clue that there was an entire day of hockey on television until the day of hockey. Until you sat down and kind of pulled up the app and say, oh, let me see when the Rangers are playing it. Oh my God, what's happening here? Exactly. I got, I got on Twitter and I saw the... It's it's 14 games and starting at one o'clock on ABC. Check out the stars and the lightning. And I was like, oh, that's cool. There's going to be a game on ABC at one. And then it was like followed by what? You know, and then another game followed by. I was like, holy, holy crap. Wait a minute. We're, <laughs> do, we're, we're, we're doing. Is this hockey day in America? Like, no, this is the NFL schedule ended yeah. in America. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's what I mean is like I had no idea that they were doing a day of like it was like, oh, cool. There's going to be an afternoon game. That's cool. And then, oh, no, there's going to be like four games on. This is playing like Hockey Day in America, but there was no hype to this at all. There was no there was no milking it of before football comes to an end. Tune in to the fastest game on earth, you know, showing people hit each other and things like that and fighting david goals and and i don't know if there's going to be 14 games but if you look at the schedule this saturday uh the games start at two and have some pretty staggered starts between five five thirty six seven eight and so on And, and it's just it's so frustrating because it's like you know that nhl knows that this is a good thing to have i don't understand why you don't do it all year yeah i i and the staggered start time like like, see, it's weird. Like, I know I just kind of was like, oh, I didn't know about it. But but that was an example of if they had promoted that and we and I and like you made that known for a week across ESPN, across Disney Plus, across Hulu, all of that, that on this day, 
you were going to have a day of hockey and you promoted those that that happening on ABC. That's when you could see the ratings boots. Like that's an example. Like what they did to me is an example of NHL does good. Staggered start times, fourteen games, good matchup, great games as well across the board. But again, despite best effort, NHL does schedule good. Exactly, but NHL also NHLed, and while they did something good, they also did something stupid that by not telling us that they were doing something good. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, like, ESPN especially has done so good with so many of the commercials. Man, they're trying to promote the game. Uh, you know, if Mark Messier shows up in your TV and goes, you know what's better than one game? What if there was 14 games? And yeah. they start, like, hyping it up that way. It's like, oh, my God. Like, that. I don't know. Yeah, like, it's, it's, because it sucks, because I really did think, like, I was, like, Saturday was a lot of fun, and then Sunday was fun, too with the uh, blitz of games that again, staggered start times with the blitz of games prior to the Super Bowl, uh, you know, that was, that was fun as well to get, to get that on Sunday is, you know, like, yeah, it was only like five or six games, but still like I had, a lot of Canadian teams. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Oh God, I love that. I love that on Super Bowl Sunday when it's like all the Canadian teams get to play, uh, give the Canadians something to watch before America dominates another sport that started in canada even though the canadians are going to uh are are probably going to tune into the super bowl as well 100 percent uh but yeah i i enjoyed that uh i i look forward to hockey day in america and finding out it's hockey day in america down the road when it just kind of happens and i stumble upon it and they don't promote it um This is, again, why ratings are down in the league. Uh, Also, though, on Saturday, I do want to talk about this. Uh, The Kings played the Penguins in the late, late game. That was the Dustin Brown banner raising. He got his statue. But I think more importantly in that game, something happened that has never happened in the NHL until that night. Sidney Crosby got his first ever game misconduct. And you would think that as much as he's run his mouth to referees (laughs) through the years, he would have gotten one before now. Yeah. Uh, But I, it's great. Like if you, if you go back and watch it, like he clearly just said something that either crossed a line or the ref was just tired of him. And uh, tossed him out, and and uh, you know, good for him for going through and doing it. Garrett Rank, thank you. I, <laughs> I I I went out. I went. That is a man whose name needs to be learned. Garrett Rank. Uh, trivia question: Who was the official that gave Sidney Crosby his first ever game misconduct, booting him from the game against the LA Kings? Garrett Rank. Is your answer. I have to commit. I, you know, I love little trivia things like that. So I really have to commit <laughs> that to memory. <laughs> I will say it one more time. The official that gave Sidney Crosby his first ever game of his conduct and booted him from the game. Garrett rank. Now, now, what if you committed a heinous act that would get you kicked out of the game, but the game's already over. 
Oh, that I don't know. I've I've gotten many of those. I don't even know what. <laughs> I I figured I would seek out an expert on this subject. Yeah, no, I don't um, know what they're called. I just the game's over, man. You didn't throw me out of anything. Yeah. <laughs> I I want to tell you about something that went down in the QMJHL. Oh, okay. That that I again that, that this would be something that you just normally read a headline and go, oh, okay. Uh, but once I started digging into this, I'm like, we have to talk about this. Uh, there is a Nashville uh, third round pick. Uh, he's playing for the Halifax Mooseheads. His name is Zachary Lehu. How you like that Ooh. French pronunciation? Oui, oui. I, put, mm-hmm. I put way too much time into. Uh so as the team's going off the ice, one of the local, uh, it's an away game for the Mooseheads. They're playing the Olympiques, I think. Uh, and they, uh, a 16-year-old fan is kind of close to the tunnel or whatever you want to call the area where the players are heading off the ice. And the 16-year-old fan commits an unthinkable sin. Uh, he tells LaHu that the uh, Mooseheads suck. And uh, Lahu responds uh, by taking his stick and spearing the kid. Granted, uh, you know, kid moved out of the way at a certain point, wasn't actually really injured by it. But, uh, you know, going after a fan, uh, you know, was crazy when Mike Milbury did it, much less nowadays. Well, uh, actually, it almost feels more on brand nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah he's uh I, I pulled up the scouting report for him because i i don't think any a lot of people would honestly say they knew who this kid was oh i know 100 uh, who this kid is doesn't he have 18 goals and 19 assists in 24 games this season for the Mooseheads? uh as a pure athlete he projects to be an <laughs> nhl player but he has not played much hockey the last few years due to how often he is disciplined oh uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, Cor- that that's Corey prongman from the athletic uh putting it in there this kid has been suspended nine times in three years nine times what is he ferris bueller nine times nine times. uh <laughs> yeah uh and getting the suspension history was kind of a headache, but I eventually was able to kind of track it down. Uh, he, he's he been suspended a few times since 2020. Uh, some of it is just like weird fighting rules that the that junior hockey has. Like if you take your helmet off during a fight, that's a suspension. Uh, you know, a... Uh, a staged fight right off the face-off is a suspension. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that happens with it, but he also has, like, repeat offender status for a lot of this. So it's like uh, blatant high-sticking four games. Uh, comes back from that, another blatant high-sticking six games. Like, you want to keep playing this game, kid? We'll keep suspending you. Let's go. <laughs> so it's just, it's insane to kind of see what's happened with this guy. And uh, maybe he goes on, he, you know, goes on to grow up a little bit and uh, gets it under control. But, man, nine suspensions in three years. That is some Rafi Torres level stuff. Yeah, that's not exactly promising. Uh, especially at 19 that you're learning, which is the point of a suspension. But, but, you know, you bring up a good point of the backstory though, of that. Some of them are like the weird 
he's now labeled a repeat offender because he, you know, took his helmet off during a fight or the the yapping between two players of, yeah, let's go once the puck drops led to a suspension, you know, like, so it's not like he's but out you there, know all the, but, but the you know, all those rules yeah, going into it. Exactly. So like, yeah, but you still play um, dumb. You still play dumb. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. But, but from, from where I'm sitting, I, I kind of go, you know, like there's a lot of weird rules for him, but you know what those rules are. So there's, uh, there's, hopefully he gets it together. You'd hate to see a career like that get derailed because he can't learn to keep it together. And, you know, I'm glad no one was hurt for it. And, uh, you know, I did a lot of dumb stuff at that age too. I just, uh, didn't have, you know, cameras around me constantly, but, uh, you know, the same time I wasn't trying to be a professional athlete. So there's that, uh, your random trivia thing for you. If you want to hear it. Yeah. Who had the longest NHL suspension and who's had the most NHL suspensions? Uh, oh, why am I forgetting uh, longest Bertuzzi, right? Uh, Rafi Torres was the Oh, longest. that's right. Torres had it. Because he got 41 games for, I think it was Marion Hosa that he hit. In the... Yeah. No, it was Jakob Silverberg uh, for Anaheim. Yeah, that was the longest one that they got. I think he tried to appeal it and it didn't go yeah, his way. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's a, that I believe is one of the few appeals where they went no. Um, but most individual suspensions. Individual suspensions. He's still playing, if that helps. Uh, is it Marchand? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, apparently it happened last February. I completely missed that. But he was tied with Chris Pronger with seven, and then he got another one, which put him at eight. Right. So take home that title. Uh, has apparently forfeited one and, close to one and a half million dollars to suspensions. Good golly. Got to respect the dedication. Eh, you know, it's, it's a craft. Um, <laughs> let's move on really quickly. Um, I, I got I got a few more things left on my notes. Uh, goalies, though. I want to talk about this goalie ranking thing. So uh, Greg Wyshynski wrote an article over at ESPN about uh, talking with people around the league, uh, everybody with the 30, uh, with the 32 teams. And getting the rankings of how these teams rank the goalies around the league. Uh, and it was the top 10 ranking of goalies. Now, really, there it, it wasn't too crazy. Top five. Uh, Vasilevsky was number one. Uh, Reasonable. Yeah, Shesterkin two, Hellebuck three, uh, Sorokin four, Ottinger five. So, great top five. I'm not yeah, arguing about. I, I'm sure some people could nitpick over what order they're in, but I I don't think you'd find a lot of serious hockey fans that would pick a different top five. Exactly. If somebody wants to argue with me that Sorokin is higher than Shesterkin this year, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to that, and I'll probably be sitting there nodding in agreement with you. Uh, you know, so yeah, we can nitpick that, but that that is the top five. You're right. But the thing that has everybody talking, and we've got to discuss this, the biggest shock at number nine, John Gibson made this list. Now, I like John Gibson. In what year? That's the thing. I like John Gibson. 
but John Gibson has not been John Gibson. All American. Uh, uh, you know, Pittsburgh kid. Yeah, the, the 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 goalie that I thought would become the greatest American goalie ever had the potential to, and now we're sitting here still trying to figure out who that is. Um, yeah. Uh, number nine. I, I no, I don't. And it's weird too, because like in, in, in the write-up, you know, Wyshynski mentions that there are people that are like, yeah, but he's the only thing the Ducks have. He's making so many high uh, saves at high, uh, those high percentage saves. He's, he's lights out when he needs to be sure. He gives up six goals, but he's facing like 50 shots a game. Like, what do you expect? They're all high end opportunities. This isn't a good team. Like, but then there were the other ones that were like, yeah, he's just not good. Yeah. And to his, to his credit, he is uh, age 29. And we know this is historically, as far as the aging curve goes, this is typically where you really start to see a decline. Mm -hmm. Uh, it pains me to say anything negative about a former Norfolk Admiral. You know that, I know that, everybody knows that. John Gibson has an 897 save percentage this year. Like, that scoring has been up a bit. There has been, you know, some wacky stuff related to offense. Being a sub 900 save percentage is like some 1980 stuff. Yeah. You know, like that's just does not happen it's yeah that's not that's not top 10 goalie status in the league i don't care how bad the team is in front of in front of the goalie because if the goalie is that is top 10 he's still got a better save percentage like you you're this would be like going yeah martin jones is still a top 10 goalie in the nhl uh, Martin Jones has an 892 save percentage. No. So he's not that far off. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've got his page, uh, John Gibson's page in front of me. And it has, granted, he had some amazing years. So the oh, yeah. 920 save percentages, 924, 926. But it, it's really started to go down downhill he had 917 uh then the 1920 season 904 year after that 903 uh then 904 again and now he's just completely fallen off a cliff so it there's a lot to be said about awards like this being given based on reputation more than they are given on uh you know actual looking down at numbers and stuff like that uh but i Again, pains me to say it uh, about a former admiral, but I think anyone that is realistically saying John Gibson is a top ten goaltender is not paying attention. Yeah, ag agreed. Uh, I, I, I just don't see it, and I'm with you. I don't want to. It's not even because he's a Norfolk admiral, man. Like it really is. I, I mean the Admiral thing plays into it, but he is the American kid. Like he really, he, I honestly was like, Whoa, this could be that first time that we have, uh, you know, when people say what, what's the best American goalie, everybody's going to go John Gibson, Ryan Miller. Yeah. But that's right now what it is. <laughs> and I thought that we were finally going to get better than Ryan Miller, but no, Jonathan still... quicks up there too. Yeah, yeah. Great. Miller and quick. That's what we've got. Way to go. America. Way to prove <laughs> goalies, America. 
come on. Like, no. We can do better than that. And I thought Gibson was going to be better than that. But he is not better than that. Like, he's just, he's not, I, I don't know. But the other thing that has me thinking about this is, okay, if you're the Ducks and you see that, Dude, I would be calling whatever freaking team thinks he is still a top ten goalie, and going, "Hey, what 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 do you what do you want to give us?" Pat Verbeek probably called Wyshynski after that article went out and said, "Tell me which GM said that right now." <laughs> because I would be looking to trade his ass to somebody that still is under the impression. And here's the thing, you know what? Maybe that is what he needs now. Maybe it is just... Is the change of scenery? Yeah, maybe it is just, oh God, I've been here for so long. I put up so many great numbers. Maybe he's just tired. You know, has anybody really looked into John Gibson's eyes to see if they're sunken? Because he might have sad eyes. He might be done in Anaheim. He realized that ducks don't fly together. Yeah, yeah, I, and I'm sure, you know, seeing the team kind of deteriorate in front of you as, you know, everyone gets older and that sort of stuff, knowing that they're in a big rebuilding year, uh, that could have an impact on it. Uh, they end up landing somebody like Connor Bedard. I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, become super motivated again all of a sudden. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he has signed for four more seasons after this. So oh, okay. uh, that's, that's a luck. <laughs> making that move uh he does have a modified no trade clause uh for a 10 team no trade list uh but i would say his play on the ice is the ultimate no trade clause and that no one would trade for him unless again one of those 10 teams is one of the ones that still views him as an elite top 10 goalie in this league yeah yeah so all right um apparently john gibson's still a top goalie uh, right. and, and, and there's there's a lot to be said about the goalies in the Pacific Division in general. There's a lot to uncover there. But I looked at the runtime we have this year, and I think that is a topic for next week. Yeah. Um, all right. I do have one last thing, though, uh, just to throw this out there when we're talking about things, because I do want to get your hot take on this really quickly. Uh, last topic this week, ESPN and Disney channel are teaming up with the NHL for the NHL big city greens classic. This is the first ever live animated NHL game telecast featuring the Washington capitals versus the New York Rangers ESPN plus Disney channel, Disney XD and Disney plus will present the live animated telecast while the main telecast will be available on ESPN and ESPN plus on March 14th. John, do you even know what big city greens is? I always thought that doing a live animation would be a tremendous strain on the animators wrist. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what Big City Greens is, honestly. I gotta gotta I, come clean. I, I really don't know either, but uh characters from the show are gonna be seen skating alongside animated versions of the actual NHL players. Uh so the whole scene might look like a cartoon, but the action will follow that of the live contest, thanks to the use of and this is what made me go, oh no, this is gonna be horrible. Thanks to the use of the NHL's own technology that maps the movements of players and the game puck. 
this is gonna be a train wreck when is it on i have to watch this <laughs> i'm glad you thought the same thing i did march 14th uh so the rangers capitals game on march 14th from madison square garden is the one that's gonna be getting this animated treatment on espn plus so so plus so so they're going to they're going to take the game tracking information and like convert that into like an animated version of the game do i am i following that yes you are following that correctly uh i i i um hold on i'm gonna make sure i i get it right when i when i say this uh i think the show might be cgi which would help um, yeah, I, I, I'm sure there's a way that you can have a bunch of animations preloaded and just have yeah. an AI pick out what's going in or something like that. But I, I'm well, not going to lie. This is this is very similar to uh, I don't know if you've if you know the NFL does the Nickelodeon cast where they have like they just put a game on Nickelodeon. They right? put a game on Nickelodeon, but they they have like effects where when there's a touchdown like slime starts shooting up uh oh. kid broadcasters join the conversation with like they'll they'll have like another you know uh announced crew not not the crew on the actual game but one of those other crews out there you know like a former player somebody connected to the network and then somebody else connected to the league somehow uh, otter gonna be the uh, rinkside reporter yeah oh god i wish but no throwing it back to bear in the big blue house at the studio god i wish i wish i just got a clue uh but no like so this feels like it's a rip off of that but as i mentioned before with the nhl sounds great in theory like a cool way like hey we're trying to get a younger audience but my God, this thing is absolutely going to be a train wreck. This is coming from the league that's going, nothing to see. The boards are fine. Why, why are you always talking about the ads on the boards? Everybody loves the ads on the boards. I I can't even watch half the play sometimes due to the ads on the boards. Now you're going to animate a freaking game? Oh, give me. On the surface, just like that entire idea sounds bad. But I want to give the NHL all the credit in the world for trying something different. G given how conservative the sport is, the fact that they're even making an effort to try something new makes me a little excited about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to tune in to see what it is. Uh, the ice yeah. rink will look like the world of big city greens, and so will even some of the stores in the background. What? Some of the what? Some of the stores in the background. Again, I don't know. Who 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 are the teams again? Uh the Capitals and the Rangers. Okay, so big, you know, big marketable teams. Yeah. Uh Star animated Alexander Ovechkin gets uh, <laughs> you know, checked into the store. Uh Oh my god. You think I don't know why. I was just so focused on this is going to be a trade wreck, but I you saying it out loud this is the first time I just realized, oh yeah, we're getting animated Ovi. We're getting animated Mika Zabetajad. We're getting animated Panarin. Animated I mean, Jacob Truba I, doing oh a headshot on animated Tom Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> there needs to be, uh, if Truba lays out a big hit, there needs to be a replay that turns him into a train. Like there just has to be. 
I'm sorry. You know they're sitting down the players before that game. If any of you have a fight, I swear to God. Like, oh my God, yeah, that that's going to be a game where Jacob Truba throws his helmet again and everybody screams how it's not unbecoming of a captain. Um, yeah, oh, so, man. all right, get ready, everybody. March, we get to see animated live hockey. <laughs> my calendar has been cleared. Yeah, uh, wait a minute, March 14th. Nope, that's not St. Patrick's Day. No. <laughs> it's a little before St. Patrick's Day. I was like, oh man, did they really give us a treat? <laughs> you know what? Uh, you know what March 14th is? Oh, the Ides of March. Yeah, close. It's Coach Merrill's birthday. Coach Merrill. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, everybody... John, what do you have the plug? I'm up on Twitter. You can find me, JTEvan0. Wow, that was a whole man. Uh, all right. I'm wonderful underscore radio. Until next week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening, everybody. Simple home.